I'm going to go tonight in our Bibles to uh, the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. If you are familiar with the Bible and have been around the church very, very long, you could probably quote at least the first part of this verse. But um, I believe the Lord has spoken something to my heart. <laughs> I told Bishop a minute ago, I said, man, I was feeling this nervousness tonight. I don't know what it is. Just want God to, to touch us. And uh, I told him, I said, after lunch, I just came back here. I didn't, I didn't leave. He said, well, then you all be ready. <laughs> I feel pretty ready. I just want God to speak to us in this house tonight. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. It weighs so heavy on me because I know we'll never get this meeting back. We can, we can never duplicate this meeting right now. There will never be another 628 p.m. on this day ever again. It will never happen. This Sunday night service is going to happen one time. And this could be somebody's chance. Come on now. It could be somebody's chance. I believe if I wasn't sure that my heart was right with God, I'd be sure before I left here tonight that my heart was right with God on Sunday, September the 4th. How about you? Come on. 1 Peter 2 and 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation a peculiar people everybody say that with me tonight a peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Before you were not the people of God, but now you are the people of God. Before you did not have his mercy, but now you have obtained his mercy. Who was it that he was talking to that were not a people, but now they are a people? Who was he talking to that had not obtained mercy, but now they had obtained mercy? It was the peculiar people who had been called out of darkness. This really preaches itself right here. He didn't leave them in their darkness. He didn't tell them he wanted them to be happy. He didn't preach to them the doctrine of happiness. Just do what makes you happy. He said, you are the people that God has called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And the reason he did that is so you would show forth his praise. I wonder who in this place tonight would put your Bibles down and fill this earthly tabernacle with praise and glory and honor. To our God who has called us out 
of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, would you thank him? richly bless you and you may be seated. I'm going to preach to you tonight from a very simple thought. I just want to preach to you about a peculiar people, a peculiar people. I've preached this chapter so many times over the last 25 years or so. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I wish I would have had a way to keep track electronically of the things that I preached early on, but I can tell you this is a, this is a youth conference chapter. You know, this is, a, this is the kind you want to preach when you're preaching to young people. You are a, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. It's, it's, good, it's good camp meeting preaching. Get a bunch of kids at a youth camp. They've been battling their schools and battling at their jobs. And you're the only one that's like you are. Why do you dress like you dress? Why do you go to that church? And you get them all together in one room. And you start in on 1 Peter 2 and 9. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. And it's, it's good. It's true. But there's some end time implications here in this that I want to talk to you about. And for a few minutes, if you would just indulge me, I'm going to start a little bit slow. I know that sometimes we take for granted that people that are here have been here for every service. And so I'm going to allude to some things that I talked to here a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night. And before I preach, really, I want to just visit a couple of things and tell you uh, a little better idea of what I'm, what I'm speaking of tonight. But we are living in uh, what I believe to be an appointed time. It was uh, three Wednesday nights ago that I preached to this church about an appointed time. And I talked to you from my heart about where I feel like we are on God's time clock. I feel like if you were to look at God's time clock um, as the watch that you, you wear or clock on the wall, that the second hand is moving quickly towards the minute hand and the hour hand. In my great-grandfather's day, a hundred years ago, they were waiting on the minute hand to move. The day of Pentecost, they were waiting on the hour hand to move. For 2,000 years, the Lord said, I'm coming back to get my church. And on the day of Pentecost, I believe that clock started ticking. And I believe that the hour hand took a little time to get there. And then in these last hundred years or so, it started moving a little quickly. And we started seeing things wrap up with the minute hand. But folks... When you stare at your watch and you, you, you don't see your hour hand move, it, it's too slow. Every now and then you can catch a glimpse. We've got a clock that hangs on the wall in the living room of our house. It's just a cheap uh, clock that my wife probably got at, uh, what's that foo-foo shop that's closed on Sunday? Hobby Lobby. It's like one of those 10 Hobby Lobbies. And it's funny because when it gets up to the 12, it stands pretty strong. But it's not until it's about five after that the minute hand moves. And once it gets to five after, it goes. 
So I can say I get to see the minute hand move. But that second hand, it's the one that moves it fast. I know some of you kids that have never had anything but an Apple Watch are like, what's he talking about? I had to learn how to tell time. We had to, we had to open up our paces and there'd be a page that had the hour hand, the minute hand, the second hand. What time is it? Well, you're going to think I'm trying to make everything spiritual. But I just want to tell you that I believe the further we've gone in, in life, that the spirit of this age is trying to get people distracted away from what time it is. Well, that went over like Velcro at a zipper convention. But I'm going to tell you, our kids, they don't even know what time is anymore. They can sit in front of a game machine. I've never seen anything like it. You bring them to church, man, they got to get up and go out four times during church to use the bathroom. But you put a headset on them and set them in front of a PlayStation or something like that, They'll sit there till 3 o'clock in the morning. They'll play all night long and drink iced tea and whatever while they're doing it and be all right with it. But, but if we have church and church is supposed to be out at 7.30, we can't go till 8 o'clock because our kids have school on Mondays in this world. Woo. Lord have mercy, it's tied up in here right now. I grew up falling asleep under church pews. And I know it's going to shock you to death. But do you know that since the days of the day of Pentecost when the church started till right now, that people that were faithful and went to the house of God daily and went to house to house, they worked jobs. And their children went to school. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying people have always had an excuse. But the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, we cannot neglect to keep our eyes on the times. We are living in a time that the second hand is rapidly approaching the midnight hour. And I believe that Jesus is coming soon. I don't want to spend my time on Facebook. I don't want to spend my time on Instagram. I want to spend my time watching and waiting and praying for the return of Messiah. I, I, I feel, oh God, help me tonight. I'm telling you, I've been... I've been pushing today in the Holy Ghost, and so I'm going to preach to you if it makes every devil in this town mad. But I'm going to tell you, I, 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 feel, I feel that the spirit of modern religion has been created to lift the pressure off of people. I'm going to talk to you just a little bit, so don't go get sleepy on me, all right? Stay awake. Brother Joe, if he goes out, you... If I see you scooting, I'm going to know. <laughs> Listen now. When I was a teenager, there was a big movement. I could name names of men that were kind of leading the movement. And it was the early days of mega church. And they started leading us in the direction. And I know this is slow. I'm going to speed up in a minute. But they started leading us in the direction of what we call seeker-sensitive church seeker sensitive church 
All that really, man, I believe all churches should be seeker sensitive. But what seeker sensitive really meant is that whatever we do, we don't want to spook a seeker. And guys that had Pentecostal on their church signs, and well, most of them were the ones that took it off. But they started saying things like, do not pray in tongues anymore at church. Do not let your worship be exuberant. Do not dance. Do not shout. Do not run the aisles. Why not? Because we're seeker sensitive. We're not going to preach anymore on eternity. We're not going to preach about the blood anymore. We're not going to preach about what God requires of us anymore. We're only going to preach about what you can require of God. Woo! I'm going to preach this on Sunday night. We're only going to preach about what you can expect from God. And the whole church movement turned to a place where it's what can the church offer me? And people started picking their churches that they attend based on whether they had children. And if they had children, what kind of kids' ministry do they have? And if they're teenagers, what kind of youth ministry do they have? And honestly, I want to shop around and see who's got the best coffee shop. But you've heard me say it, and I'm going to say it till Jesus comes. That somebody who's truly a seeker, I don't care if they're a crackhead or a prostitute or an alcoholic. They don't care about what kind of coffee syrup we have. They are looking for an encounter with God that, that will change their lives forever. I do not want to be part of a dead, dried up church where lives are not being changed and restored and renewed. I want this to be a Holy Ghost center. All of a sudden, preachers started getting offended when they were put into a category of a hellfire brimstone preacher. Come on, y'all know I'm telling the truth. I, I hadn't heard that in a long time. And just recently, I had somebody ask me, they said, so you're one of them hellfire brimstone preachers. Hadn't heard that in a long time. But you know what? They're getting harder and harder to find. They are. It's like I said this morning, because everybody wants the resurrection. Nobody wants the crucifixion. Everybody wants heaven, but nobody wants to talk about what we've got to do to get there. If you don't believe me, just start dropping in on funerals at the local funeral home. We've got apologists that call themselves preachers that have started stepping up to caskets of people that have lived however they want to live and saying today they're with the Lord in paradise. Hey, I've never been a God and I'm not going to do God's job, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help prepare his bride to be ready for that marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I, I, I've, got, I've got to hurry because I've got a place I need to go. But I used to read the scripture and I would read like Timothy. And the apostle said to him, know this, son, perilous times are going to come. And he goes through this whole deal. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And I used to read all of that and I would think, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, talk, he's talking about the world. The church is not like that. He said, hey, be careful because there's a day coming where they're going to call good evil and evil good, right? 
And I used to say, yeah, man, the world does that. But I'm going to tell you where I started getting really uncomfortable is when the church started doing that. When we are having spiritual convocations where general boards and executive boards of church organizations are coming together and discussing what process they need to go through to ordain transsexuals and openly homosexuals to be their pastors and preachers and parsons. I wonder what what, what have we come to as a nation when the spirit of the church has changed from God let your spirit reign on us too. God don't put anything on us that's going to make me change my spirit. What, what have we come to when we used to pray for a Holy Ghost revival, but now we just pray for a spirit of deliverance that will lift the conviction off of us and we can dance and shout and have a good time. I'm telling you, I still believe that it's a blessing to feel conviction in your life. I don't want to go to a church where I don't feel convicted. I don't want to be a part of a movement that does not feel convicted. I don't want to be happy in my sin. And I don't want to be content in my brokenness. I need a healer. I need a healer. And this age says, I want to introduce you to a savior. But he doesn't save you from anything. I want you to think about our messages that you hear on the radio and TV preachers and all the, this is what you hear. You're going to have victory. You're going to have victory. You're going to have victory. You're going to have prosperity, but you're not going to have to fight. You have a savior, but you don't have to be saved from anything. Am I preaching to anybody that knows what I'm saying in here tonight? Why is that happening? Because we have come to an appointed time. I wish I had good news for you to tell you tonight that that part's going to get better. But I'm going to tell you it's going to get worse. Why is it going to get worse? Because men are going to be lovers of pleasure. I saw a picture this week. I don't, I don't know if it's new or not. I've never seen it before. I just came across it. And it was a picture of all these young people sitting at a table. None of them were looking at each other, but they all had their phones out. They were all taking selfies of themselves. And it had the scripture said, men shall be lovers of them own selves. It's a selfie age. And then, now listen, you ain't going to like it, but when you don't like what you see in the selfie, then you just filter it and make it look like what you want it to look like. Are we leaving the days of self-examination? Can I just preach right now? Have have we turned our prayer time into an Instagram filter where we tell God we're not going to deal with the real issues when we see the reflection of what we are? We don't want to fix it. We just want to filter it. Are our messages given the same story that if there's a scar on your face, you just put a little filter on it and nobody can see the scars? Do you understand tonight that it was scars that were giving you the ability to heal your scars? It was his scars that healed my scars. 
Your scars are nothing but an opportunity to tell somebody of the goodness of the Lord in your don't you hide that that's where the Lord brought you from you're a child of God you're not who you used to be don't preach anything that's going to make people feel uncomfortable I know there's enough of you in here that know what I'm talking about when I talk about white knuckle preaching. Come on. Anybody in here know about white knuckle preaching? I was raised on white knuckle preaching. But that's all changing. We don't have white knuckle preaching anymore. Oh, God. Woo. Lord's going to have to help me tonight, I'm telling you. We don't have white knuckle preaching. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about... I remember the days that preachers would preach hell and they'd preach eternity and they'd preach repentance. And you would watch sinners literally hold on to their pew until their knuckles turned white. And they couldn't handle it anymore because the Spirit of God was moving on their heart. Listen to me, church. If we capitulate to every wind of false doctrine and we give ourselves to every wind of false doctrine, this world's not going to have anything to be saved from. We need some apostolic Pentecostal people that are not happy to have a title. You're not just happy to say you've been filled with the Spirit so you can walk around and talk in tongues and sound spiritual. No, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost so that you can show this world we have overcoming power and we are not bound. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Free indeed. Free indeed. Let's take a minute and praise the Lord tonight. If you're thankful to be free tonight, give him thanks. So a few Wednesday nights ago, I talked to you about an appointed time. Why it matters for us to look at the biblical calendar and not just our Gregorian calendar, Genesis, uh, Genesis to Revelation, January through December but rather to look at the biblical Hebrew calendar uh, as you've heard me preach through the years. If not, you could just go back and watch Wednesday night three weeks ago. I go into a little more detail about the, the calendar and how all of it's lining up. But this year is a very special year. This is a very, very special year, 2022. In two weeks from right now, here in the States, it will be on the 25th of September, we will enter into the first fall feast, which is the Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Trumpets is very important. It has a lot of rapture implications. Um, again, I don't want to go into the depths of it because I don't have the time. But the Feast of Trumpets is very important. The fall feast that, that will be fulfilled. All of the spring feasts were fulfilled by Messiah when he came the first time. He fulfilled all of them. But... The fall feast have to be fulfilled. Pentecost was fulfilled. Passover was fulfilled. First fruits was fulfilled. But we have to see him fulfill these fall feasts, beginning with the Feast of Trumpets, then Yom Kippur, which is atonement, and then Feast of Tabernacles. And all of this can go forever. It's, it's very deep. But why does it matter this year? Well, the Lord does everything in cycles. And so I'm going to touch on this very quickly in case you were not here. I want to tell you why this is an important time. I wrestled with this today. I said, God, I don't really want to regurgitate this. I, I don't just want to throw this back up. But listen, 
God set it up in a weekly cycle at creation for there to be a Sabbath every week, a time of rest. It was a God cycle. It was not a man cycle. God put that in. He said, I I want there to be rest. He worked for six days. He rested on the seventh day. And then the Lord set it up in a cycle of years with his people. He set up the Shemitah cycle that on the first year of every seven-year cycle that there would be rest in the earth, rest for the farmers, rest for the soil. And it was also a time of redeeming some things, taking some things back. And then how many of you have ever heard of the Jubilee? Jubilee is very powerful. Jubilee is very, very powerful. Jubilee is announced during Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, uh, the beginning of a, a fresh cycle for the Jewish people. But why is this important to us? The Jubilee is announced, but it's only announced once every 50 years. Now, you must understand that once every seven years on the Jewish calendar, we enter into the Shemitah cycle. So this is the first year of once every seven years. And then we also have something, and this is just you're going to have to go back and listen to this. But also, every seven feasts of tabernacles, there is what we call the Hachel, okay? This is a very important feast of tabernacles. It only happens once in a seven-year cycle. This year, 2022, beginning at Rosh Hashanah, September the 25th, This is the first year uh, in 50 years that this cycle has happened. But this year, during the fall feast, at Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, begins the first year of the Shemitah cycle. At Yom Kippur, this is a Jubilee year. And at Feast of Tabernacles, this is a Hachel year. All of these are falling on the 2022 calendar. We have not seen it like this for 50 years. It is believed by many. Matter of fact, I was reading today uh, in the scripture about what they call Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble is a time of tribulation. And it is believed by people that, uh, that are, are Orthodox Jews or whatever that don't hold to what we do that there is a great tribulation coming. They look at Jacob's trouble as what you and I would call from the book of Revelation the great Tribulation. So what does that have to do with us? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's very interesting. They believe that Jacob's trouble or the tribulation will begin on that first year of a Shemitah cycle. Which begins September the 25th this year. If not this year, then in seven years. It's a seven-year cycle. But what's the chance? I'm not, please understand, I'm not projecting anything. I don't know the day or the hour. I'm just saying We've got to think about these things. We are living in a time right now that we will probably only see once in our lifetime. Depending on your age, if you're young, you may see it twice. But most of us will only see this jubilee cycle where everything falls in one calendar year like this once in a lifetime. After what we've been through the last couple of years, after what the earth has seen, after the world's systems have been pushed and and, and they've shoved things in our face... And shown us what we're going to do and what we're going to comply with and how we're going to respond. All I can tell you is we are closer than we've ever been. We're closer than we've ever been. But I want to tell you tonight something that I've been studying. I've been searching my heart. I want God to know my heart. I believe he does. I'm not asking the Lord for the ministry of extraction. Understand that, okay? If we have to go through some trouble, then we go through some trouble. I'm not going to go through it not being saved. 
I, if we have to go through some great trouble, I'm going to be saved when I get there. Come on, somebody. But why does it matter that we are a peculiar people? Are you ready to run this with me just a little bit tonight? We got a few minutes. Let's run it tonight. So I told you three weeks ago that one of the, one of the names, there's several different names they use for the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah being the, uh, the main one. But there's another name that is attached to Rosh Hashanah, and that is Yom Zikaron. Yom Zikaron is very important because it's during this part of the Feast of Trumpets. Yom Zikaron is known as a day of remembrance. Somebody say remembrance. Why does it matter that it's a day of remembrance? I'm going to tell you why it matters that it's a day of remembrance. In Malachi chapter 3, and if you have a pen, just write this down. But in Malachi chapter 3, the scripture said in verse 16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. Everybody say the believers were talking. The believers were talking and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. The book of remembrance that was written were for the people that had spoken of the Lord and feared the Lord and had thought upon his name. Verse 17, he said, and those that are in the book of remembrance, they shall be mine in that day when I make up my jewels. Or if I could say it like this, another translation said, on the day that I prepare my own possession." In the day that I'm preparing my own possessions, the peculiar people that are in the book of remembrance shall be mine. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. He said, I am preparing a people that I'm going to take as my own possession. And I'm going to preserve them from some things that are going to be seen. He said, the people that I am preserving are the ones that are written in a book of in a book of remembrance can I tell you that the book of remembrance is reflected on during the feast of trumpets I just wonder if it could be that the trumpet were to sound during the feast of trumpets while the Lord was looking at a book and the book was filled with names of men and women who have been washed in the blood of Jesus who have been filled with the Holy Ghost who have been baptized in his name he said I'm going to spare them this seems as you read that the Lord is eavesdropping on believers and he heard what they were saying and the Bible said that they were honoring him Bishop they were honoring the Lord why is it important to honor the Lord? David said it like this. Man, I feel such a sweet Holy Ghost moving here right now. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. What are you preaching, Pastor? I've come to tell you that all of us in the last couple of years have had a reason to stop praising him. We've had a reason to hang our hearts on a willow. But somebody in this room tonight, said I'm going to bless the Lord even in loss even in mourning even in darkness even in pestilence even in trouble I will bless the Lord 
We have wept and we have cried. We have mourned and we've had funerals. We've been broken. We've been turned inside out. We wore our emotions on our sleeves. But never have we foolishly looked at God and held him captive with our praise. But we've looked at him and said, the Lord giveth and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you saying you don't have trouble? No, there's plenty of trouble but I've got plenty of praise I will bless him at all times and his praise I said his praise God said I've been listening to you people and you honored me and I'm going to remember the people. I'm going to remember the people that have honored me. I believe he's the best record keeper there is. God is listening to what you've been saying. He said, I'm going to spare them. But from what would he spare them? Well, we're in Malachi 3, so could we just maybe continue to Malachi 4? And see what it is he's sparing them from. The fourth chapter of Malachi describes the horrible time of judgment that will come to the whole earth. Which is referred to in the book of Revelation as the great tribulation. If you take the time to read Malachi chapter 4, it's powerful. Because he's closing out the book. Man, why is this important to us? Why does Malachi even matter? Why, why are we going back? Listen. Malachi is the closing of a chapter, literally, that for 400 years, there is nothing in the canon of Scripture recorded. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. It's going into a season of silence where the Lord is not going to say a word to his people for 400 years. It's a time, and this is what Malachi said before he closed the book. He said, everything that Moses commanded you to do, do it. Everything that you've been told to do, do it. He said, and if you'll do it, there's coming a day of pestilence and darkness. He said, but I'm going to turn the hearts of the sons to their to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children. It's going to happen. He said, but what you've been told to do, do it. By the time we get to the New Testament... We know that they're still doing it because Elizabeth and Zechariah are still doing it. He's still offering incense. It was his lot to burn incense. When the angel of the Lord comes for the first time in 400 years that anyone has recorded an angel speaking, it happens to a man that's in the lineage of priesthood. It's in the ironic line through, his, through John's mother Elizabeth, in the ironic line of the priesthood that the Lord said, whatever they said, keep on doing it. And Zechariah's standing there, and for the first time, in 400 years God opened up his mouth and he looked at Zechariah with an angel standing at the right side of the altar and he said fear not your prayers have been heard are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord said, I've been eavesdropping. I've been listening to what they've been saying. And the Lord reveals it. He said, Zechariah, I've heard every prayer you've prayed. I know every I know everything you've done. I've been watching you. He said, your focus has been on where you've been. Your focus, Zechariah, has been on where you came from. 
He said, but I'm about to do something new in you. He said, your wife is about to conceive and she's going to have a son. What are you saying, Pastor? Let me hurry. He's saying, I'm trying to get your eyes off of where you've been. And Zechariah, I'm, I'm trying to get you to start talking about the future. Church, I want to tell you, I'm thankful for the book of Acts. I'm thankful for the revivals we've had. But I'm not looking behind me right now. I'm looking in front of me right now. I believe God is about to show himself mighty. I've got to hurry. I've got to fill in the gaps. But who was John the Baptist? He was the forerunner of the Messiah. It was John the Baptist that was the prophet that would stand on the banks of the river. And he would say, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Watch this. The Lord said through a man that's been doing what he knew to do when he didn't have fresh direction. And he hadn't been to a conference in 400 years. And nobody's prophesied over him. And nobody gave him a fresh word. He just kept on doing what he knew to do. And he kept on praying. And he kept on being faithful. He said, I've been hearing you, Zechariah. And through you, I'm about to reveal the man that's going to introduce the first coming of the Lord. Holy Ghost is working. Let him work. He said, the first time I came... The first time I came, I came to a people who were doing what they knew to do. The first time I came, I came to a people who were keeping on working and keeping on praying and keeping on fasting. You know who he's coming for the next time? For the people that have done what they know to do. They've got the commandments and they've walked in them and they feared God. I haven't changed my mind. I still love him. I still adore him. He said, I'm not talking to the people that have changed their minds. I'm talking to the people that's been praying. He said, don't you be afraid. I've heard every prayer you've prayed, son. I've heard it. And I'm about to introduce you to the Messiah. Church family, you listen to what I'm telling you. Everything that we know from the book of Acts till right now, I believe the Lord has been listening to his church. He's not listening for somebody that's compromising. Brother Cannon, he's not listening to somebody that's been turning their back on this message. He's watching for somebody that's been loving his appearing. He's coming back for somebody that's been waiting on it. He's not looking for somebody that believes this is the best we got. Hey, I've come to tell you the Messiah is on his way. we read in Daniel 12 verse 1 and at that time shall Michael stand up everybody say at that time the great prince would stand it for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time 
I don't know if y'all are ready for this or not. He said, and at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that is found. In the book of remembrance. He said when there is a time of trouble Daniel. I want to remind you that I've got a book. And it is a book of remembrance. God I feel him in this place. Now. You got to stay with me. God's going to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost here tonight. Y'all tired yet? So behind my desk, you've seen it. Brother Cable, will you just run and get that thing? I've talked about it twice. Behind my desk, my shofar. You're awesome. Thank you, buddy. So this shofar that's blown during the Feast of Trumpets, this trumpet, it used to be a part of something that was living. Oh, God. But a few years back in 18, I went to South Africa. All you PETA people don't hate me. But I went on a hunt. And Brother Frank, I was very, very blessed to harvest a beautiful kudu. 600-pound animal. Well, a kudu is one of the species. Of course, it's a little different in the South African continent than it was in the Middle East. Thank you, Brother Caleb. I love you, sir. This is a kudu horn. My papa said kudu. This is a kudu horn. And they would make a horn, the, the long horn like this, out of a kudu in Jerusalem. It was, a, it was a ram. Now, they would take this horn. Man, I feel such angel in here right now. They would take this horn and they would empty it completely. So that you could hear. Now listen, I'm not going to blow it hard. Just listen. You hear that? The air is passing through. When I brought my kudu home, they sent it to me in a crate. And when that thing was living, that horn right there was full. But the priesthood knew if there's going to be a sound that passes through that, it has to be emptied. So for 10 days, I feel the Holy Ghost. For 10 days, they sat in an upper room emptying themselves out. When suddenly, Lord God, I feel the angel of the Lord standing here right now. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat on each of them. And the Bible said that they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. You want to know why some of us are having a hard time with the Holy Ghost speaking through us? It's because the horn that's supposed to make the sound is still full. He said, I need something that has been emptied that I can pass a sound through. If I'm going to sound the trumpet, then the trumpet's got to be emptied. 
I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe, now this is just me, but I believe that the trumpet Gabriel's going to use is being emptied out. And I believe that there is a sound that's going to come. Woo! When the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He ain't going to descend and go, excuse me. Excuse me. Let's use our inside voices. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. Folks, I've come to tell you, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the last trump. Because when the trumpet sounds... I plan on going. I said when the trumpet sounds. Hey. Daniel 12. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that's found written in the book. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. That's not talking about the rapture pastor. Oh, okay. Let's keep going. Many that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise. Notice this language. Does it sound familiar to you? There were ten virgins. Five were wise. And five were foolish. He said, but them that are wise. Who's that? Them that have horn in the oil. Them that are ready. Them that have prepared themselves. Them that have their lamps trimmed and burning. He said, but the wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. He said, but thou, Daniel. But thou, Daniel. He said, I want you own possession. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? My own possession. That's what the Lord said. They are my possession. Why in the world would the apostle make a, such a crude statement? Know you that you are not your own. For you have been... Woo. You've been bought with a price. When you take on the name of Jesus, you are not your own. You've been bought... You've been bought with a price. You are his possession. So I started studying this, my own possession. Y'all with me? I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is about to move. There's going to be people praying through in this room. Just give me a few minutes. I started studying this, my own possession. My own possession, this is what it means. It means my peculiar treasure and wealth. He said, these people, that their name is written in the book, they are my peculiar treasure and wealth. Do you understand how much value you bring to the kingdom of God? I don't care what the devil's told you. You listen to what this preacher is telling you tonight. You are the head and you are not the tail. You are the apple 
of his eye. You are his prized possession. You are the love that he could not fix anything else with but his own life. He didn't send a substitute, but he robed himself in flesh. So I want to be sure, Pastor, that you're in the book. Well, I'm glad. So Exodus 19 and 5. You're sure that's what it means? Oh, let's go. Exodus 19 and 5. Now, therefore, man, I hope y'all feel as much Holy Ghost as I do. I'm telling you, I feel it up here. If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. Maybe I've read it wrong. But if I'm seeing it right, he said, if you've done what you're supposed to do and you've kept my word and you've obeyed my word, he said, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Devil, don't you forget this tonight. I know you're the prince and power of the air, but he said for all the earth. The devil's been telling you. He's been bossing you. He's been manipulating you. He's been telling you how it's going to go. But somebody needs to remind him tonight. I am a peculiar possession. And I am loved. And all the earth is my father. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Do you know who you belong to? going to be a peculiar treasure to me. Psalm 135 and 4. Y'all okay? Psalm 135 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel. Oh man, see pastor, there you go. I guess it don't include me because the Lord took Jacob for his peculiar treasure. Hmm. I guess we're not included. I guess there's just no way for me to get in. Because the Lord hath chosen Jacob and Israel unto himself. But where we began tonight, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, Peter wasn't talking at the temple. He was talking to a Gentile church. And he said, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And you are a peculiar. You are a people that were not of his. You were not his. But now you are. You were a people that did not have mercy. But now you have mercy. Why? Because I have been grafted in. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying tonight, if you want to go, if you want to be saved, if you want to be preserved, you've got to get in the bride. You've got to get in the bride. You've got to leave the world and get in the bride. (laughs) 
I'm almost there. Don't leave me. You stay right there where you're at. I've read this all my life that you are a peculiar people. And I always thought the expression was kind of strange, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Because when I say somebody's peculiar, it doesn't necessarily mean something nice. You know? They're good people. They're, they're peculiar. And I got to reading this, peculiar people. I thought it was strange. But do you know that the late Middle English word peculiar means private property? Somebody say that with me right now. Private property. Do you know what the Lord was saying? The Lord was saying these people don't belong to anybody else. They don't belong to anything else. They are my private property. They are the ones that have taken themselves off the market. They have betrothed themselves to me. They're not shopping in the world. They're not looking around in the world. They have fallen in love with the master and they're going to love him. If you want to belong to Jesus and you want him to be your one and only, I'm challenging you right now to lay it down at the altar. Come on, you're his treasure. You're his treasure. You're his treasure. You're his treasure tonight. Give him praise, brother. Give him praise tonight. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him according to his mighty acts. Somebody give him praise in here tonight. You are a peculiar treasure. You are a peculiar people. We're living in an appointed time. And he's looking for a peculiar people. You're his treasure. You're his treasure. You're his treasure. Can you believe what he's brought you through to bring you here tonight? Can you believe what he's delivered you from to bring you here tonight? Can you believe how he sustains you? How he preserves your life? You're his treasure. Come on, you know it's true. You know it's true. You should have been dead. You shouldn't be here tonight. But his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. You're here tonight because you're his treasure.
Come on, somebody. Shandala rabo satayi anda bahaya. Hiko yada rabo satayi. Hiolobo sondo yada basatayi anda bahaya. In the name of Jesus. I don't care if he comes back at the Feast of Trumpets or if he comes back tonight. I want to be found in the book. I want my name in the book. I want my name in the book of remembrance. I want my name in the Lamb's book of life. Come on, spectators. Let's participate tonight. Come on, let's not worry about what others are doing. Somebody give God your best right now. The disciples came running to Jesus. And they said, Lord, we cast out devils and the spirits are subject to us. He said, don't you rejoice that the spirits are subject unto you? Rejoice that your name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life. If your name is in the book, you ought to rejoice tonight.